0: Listen to what Matthew chapter 5 verse 20 says. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, which were students of the law and teachers of the law. He said, you will not in any case enter into heaven. Those were the most righteous people appearance-wise in the Old Covenant, Old Testament. They had a self-righteousness where on the outside they did everything excellent. But Jesus said on the inside they were full of dead men's bones. Because there was a higher righteousness that was coming to men. And without that righteousness, without you receiving that righteousness, Jesus said, no person will enter into the kingdom of heaven. In no case. Means not at all, not one, in any circumstance. Because the righteousness that Jesus clothes us with is his own righteousness, which gives us access into the kingdom of God, not by works. Just like salvation, salvation isn't of works, lest any man should boast. Well, neither is your righteousness, lest any one of you should boast. <laughs> righteousness came the same way as salvation did. It was all by grace. And we gained access to the grace by faith. And faith, when it functions properly how it's supposed to, which is your confidence in Jesus being who he was, the Son of God, paying your price, atoning for your sin, when it's placed in the right source, it functions easy. Because we're not struggling to obtain something or struggling trying to become something we've already obtained it, which therefore we become. Because I have grace, I can give grace. Because I have righteousness, I can express it. Because I have salvation, I can lead someone to it. But it's all found in a person. It's one place. It's one source. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. No greater love has man experienced than the experience where God himself would call us sons and daughters. John the Apostle says in 1 John, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called sons of God and daughters of God. When God appeared to Abraham, he said, Behold, Abraham, I am your great reward. And Abraham says to him, What will you give me, seeing then that I go childless? And this Eleazar of Damascus is going to inherit everything I own. He asked God for the impossible because he actually seen and believed what God told him, that God would be his reward. And if God is your reward, then the impossible then becomes possible. The impossible ability for Sarah and Abraham to conceive became possible in Abraham's heart and in his mind. Because God says to him, Behold, Abraham, I am your great reward. The first thing Abraham says out of his mouth is going to let you know the priority in his heart. His number one priority, his number one desire, was to have a child. Not just for him, but for Sarah. But I actually believe to remove the disgrace from his bride of being barren. Abraham's motives weren't all selfish. He wanted to remove the shame from Sarah who couldn't conceive. Because in that culture at that time, if you didn't have children, you weren't looked upon as somebody important. You know it's true because you look at Samuel's mom, Hannah. They all looked at her like she was nobody. It drove her to the place to crying out before God. And Eli the priest thinks she's drunk with wine because of the grief that was in her heart from the shame that she bore. Abraham was a good husband. Come to find out he would even be a better father. The reason I say all that is because God right now is taking the shame away from His bride through the covenant of grace that establish us in righteousness. So though we've been barren, the body of Christ in the earth has been barren in this generation. God's going to do the impossible. Because like I always say, grace restores all things. I'll say it and I'll continue to say it. We're on one of the biggest harvests that the earth has ever seen. Don't listen to CNN and NBC and Fox News. Don't listen to that. They're holding some of the big revivals over in Russia and Germany. I mean, Todd White was just in Germany not too long ago in a stadium. But you don't hear that on the news. Neither will you. These aren't depressing times for the church. This is where the church is actually taking their position in Christ, seated with Him in heavenly places. Where we cast off all restraint because the Christ is not restricted. Where we flow freely in unity, not in adversity, but through adversity. Amen. Till we all come to the common faith. One God with one purpose, one body striving together to do his work in the earth. Who can stop us? We can laugh at the devil now. <laughs> it's fun too sometimes. I was listening to Kenneth Hagin this morning and, and the, he started off the service. He said, okay, everybody, there's probably like 10,000 people there. He said, okay, everybody. He said, let's start this service off. He said, we're going to laugh at the devil. Let's go. And the whole stadium erupted. The devil can't take that. He's one of the most prideful beings. He is. He'll leave. He can't stand to be mocked, ridiculed, or looked down upon. His glory was stripped from him, and even what he had has been fading. He lost even what little glory he had in the earth because of his power when Jesus stripped rulers and principalities, making a public display of them openly. There was one time I was driving in my car when I was Ubering in Madison and I just got out the gas station, I got in the car and I got this picture of me and God laughing at the devil pointing at him. I laughed for like at least 20 minutes to the point where I had to ask God to stop because it hurt so bad. But the scripture says that God sits up in heaven and he laughs at his enemies. He's not disturbed by what Satan's doing in the earth. He's not. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, not to be disturbed about them. He left us in the world to destroy his works, not to be grieved over them. Because you can cry about what the enemy's doing, and it doesn't change anything but you can take your place in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. And those strongholds that have been formed in people's lives can be broken because you're connected to the Father, not because they are. Jesus' righteousness allowed him to access heaven so that he could pull for other people's needs, so that the kingdom of God actually flowed through him. We become vessels that are just... Recipients that can house and hold the glory of God. Amen. I love the prophetic voice. Out of all the gifts, the Apostle Paul would say, my brothers, I tell you to earnestly desire spiritual gifts and seek after them. He said, but above all that you may prophesy. The spirit of prophecy is for edification of the body of Christ. And in Revelations chapter 19, verse 10, it says that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So when we're speaking a word in you, which is prophetic, it's supposed to form the same word in you, which we spoke, because it's the prophetic word. Jesus Christ is our hope of glory, the scripture says. He is our hope of glory. He said something to me this week in a time of prayer. He said, I bore the crown of thorns upon my head so that you could bear my glory. And when he said that to me, it moved me. Because he went through the suffering that he went through, even them crowning him with a crown of thorns. If you look, why was the earth cursed? What was Adam's, what was man's burden upon the earth when Adam sinned? God said to him, because of what you've done, you'll work by the sweat of your brow and the ground will produce thorns and thistles. Jesus bore the curse of humanity as thorns upon his head that Adam brought into the earth. The curse that man ushered into the earth, Jesus bore it upon his own head. The stripes in his back and on his body was for our healing. You know, there's a tree of life in heaven, and it's in the book of Revelations, and it says that its leaves are for the healing of the nations. <laughs> what do you think are the leaves that are upon the tree? It's us. Go into all the world and preach this gospel to every nation every tongue, every tribe. Jesus said to the disciples, what you've seen me do, do. What you've seen me say, say. If they reject you, they didn't reject you. They actually rejected me because you're going in my place. Amen. Listen to what Moses says in Exodus 33, 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, see, you said unto me, Bring up this people, you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I ask you, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your ways that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. I don't know if when you read that, if you read it with frustration, but when I read it, I read it with frustration. Because Moses is saying to God, you said that I will deliver this people, but you haven't told me who's going to go with me. Yeah, how will you do it? Moses is frustrated. You said I found grace in your sight. What does that mean? (laughs) If I have found grace in your sight, I ask you. Now the King James says, now therefore I pray thee, I beg you. Now therefore I beg you. If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your ways that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. He said, show me if I have found grace in your sight, show me your ways. Let me know you. Because Moses found grace in the old covenant, it gave him the ability to know God. We didn't just find grace, we received it in this covenant. Jesus said on that day, on what day? On this day, which we live in now, You won't ask me for anything. He said, for whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you, for the Father himself loves you. Oh, the Father himself loves me? I can go straight to the Father because of Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Because the grace of God allows us to know His ways. By knowing His ways, we begin to actually know Him. See, God chose you. Me and Heather had a conversation in our past, and she said, one of my fears, she said, was that you would leave me for someone else that was better than me. I said, you understand that I chose you You agreed with my choosing, but I chose you. The Father chose us. I'm not going anywhere because she was my choice. God's not going anywhere because we were His choice. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, suffering shame, being spit on, ridiculed, mocked. He saved others, let him save himself. if God loves him, <laughs> if he be the son of God. He endured that. Why? Because God is love. And before he breathed his last breath, he said, Father, forgive them, the ones that just spit on me, that just mocked me, that just crucified me, that said all things falsely. He said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Because the spirit of deception is never a man. It tries to blind the eyes of a man. Like I told Gracie this last week, because she was trying to villainize somebody. And I said, listen to me. I said, there's no such thing as bad people. Every person can be redeemed. People do bad things, but it doesn't make them bad people. But if you villainize Somebody, all of a sudden, it becomes an area of contention because your vision is not seen correctly. You've actually disfigured them. You've made them less than redeemable. Man, thank God He never did that with me. Oh, thank God He never did that with me. See, because you can follow a deceptive spirit after coming to Christ. And it's not your sin that's trying to kill you. I know a person who's left the Lord and I was having a conversation with somebody else and I said, he's fully given himself to that spirit and that spirit's trying to kill him. Why? Why does the enemy want to lead us into sin? First of all, it takes away our witness to other people. Second of all, it has the potential to take away our strength. Third of all, is it actually has the potential to blind our eyes. There was a season I went through in my life where I felt like I was falling down. I would go a week, I'd fall down. I'd go a month, I'd fall down. I'd think, man, I'm done with this, and I'd fall again. Every single time that I fell, I turned straight to the Word. Every single time. There came a day where I just walked out, realized that that was never me. But if I villainize myself, I make myself unredeemable. Because that's what the scripture says in Ephesians, that you at one time were enemies with God, alienated in your mind because of wicked works. The only place that we're alienated is in our minds. Because the works try to create strongholds in our life. But no stronghold can remain in the place of the purity of grace. Because you're never turning away from God to another spirit. Even if you yielded in a moment, you're never turning to that desire, even though you yielded to it. When you turn to God, it always breaks the power of the enemy, no matter how long you've been in the bondage. Because what the enemy tries to do is he tries to separate us from the love of God in our minds. God doesn't love everything that we do, but God loves us. He loved us when we were in our lowest state, before we ever did one good thing for him. When we used to use his name for blasphemy and desire other people's wives, he loved us then. He did. Why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why we were yet sinners. Why? Because your sin was never linked to who you were. It's just something that you did. Even though it was your nature, it was never who you were intended to be by the Father. Even if you find yourself committing sin today, it's never who you were intended to be. You take the most righteous person that you can think of, and they're only righteous because the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ cleanses our conscience from dead works so that we can serve the living God. It's the blood of Jesus. But sometimes our mistakes will try to convince us that we are the mistake. Sometimes our failures will try to tell us we are a failure. Sometimes when we fall, we'll say to ourselves, Is it even worth getting back up? But I'm telling you, when you're drowning, there's always a hand that meets you and says, Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt my love? Why did you doubt my mercy? Why did you doubt my goodness? Why did you doubt it? Because you've heard it before. When Jesus held open his hands, he said, I love you this much. There's no greater expression of love. If you don't get the picture that God loves you and the sacrifice of Jesus, nothing else will do it. It won't. Nothing else will do it. Nice house, nice car. Nothing else will do it. Because he is the picture of God's love for humanity. With one sacrifice, he purged our sin, and then he sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. He's the most high, the scripture says. Amen. Let's skip down five verses to Exodus thirty-three eighteen. 18. And he said, I beg you, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Moses said, Lord, I beg you, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. The glory of God is always in association with his goodness. Moses asked to see his glory. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. And then listen to what he says. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Moses asked to see God's glory. He got his goodness. Preparing the way before him. Moses got his name, which went before him. We get his name over us. We get his glory in us. We get his goodness as expressions of his love. He said to me one time that I will show you my goodness through kindness. 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 Gentleness. God is the best father ever. He is. He is. He's the best father ever. And he did bear the crown upon his head so that we in return could bear his glory. I mean, you think that you can talk to the Lord like you talk to a friend. The scripture says that the Lord came down and talked with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses was a friend to God. Our covenant actually allowed us to become children. Amen. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you'll no way enter into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. We're children. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, it says, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Like I said, we're in one of the most significant times of humanity as far as the church goes. This was actually available for every generation. But the church has a history called the Dark Ages for a reason, because they were dark ages. (laughs) Where the Word of God was taken and locked in monasteries. It wasn't available freely to us like it is now. Only the priests could actually access the Word of God. But the Word of God has been so ready made available for us. The work of grace in the earth right now is cultivating hearts into the call of the kingdom of God, which is the greatest harvest. This is the greatest show on earth. It's not a carnival. And Jesus Christ is the superstar at the center of it all. Amen. We lift Him up. We magnify him because there's no other name under heaven that is given unto men whereby they shall be saved. It's through faith in that name that still makes men whole today. He's called the Prince of Peace. And in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, it says, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. There shall be no end. We have the Prince of Peace living inside of our hearts, inside of our bodies. So when outside emotions or feelings come, we tap into the well that can never be quenched. It's unending. It's the Spirit of God inside of us, so out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The water that is inside of you brings life when it's sown, especially on dry, thirsty land. I pray that God would just wreck us with His love, that we wouldn't be able to be satisfied from anything else. That we would be so ruined that we would never settle for religion or works or the way that we perform, but that we would fully submit to the grace of God. That we would yield ourselves to Him freely because of love's sake. It's easy to give to people you love. When nobody's your enemy, you're not hostile towards anyone. <laughs> Amen. Jesus was the pitcher of love and Jesus used the most stern words, even calling them children of the devil and he was speaking to the religion of the day. Judaism. The law. Why? Because they rejected the free gift that came from God by grace and through grace pertaining to salvation. They wanted to rest in their own righteousness. Just like their forefathers did. Whatever he says, we're able to do. You talk to him. So none of them could enter in because they were all self-righteous. Because the spirit of religion will produce a righteousness in you that despises anyone that's not like you. It don't have patience. It doesn't have peace. It doesn't produce godly fruit that brings life. It kills the plants around you. Because Jesus would say to the Pharisees, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. <laughs> You're trying to strain for little things, but you yourself are swallowing the camel. You're choking yourself. Listen to what Psalm says. Psalms 110, verse two. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at your right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. What did the Lord strike through in the day of his wrath? Rulers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. And he said in verse 2, that your people shall be willing in the day of your power. Amen. I'm willing because we're living in the days of his power. See, what grace did, it laid the foundation so firm that no wind, wave, or anything else that beats against the house will be able to destroy it because its foundation is built upon a solid rock which is Christ. See, the grace message, like you've heard me say in one of the offerings, someone was calling us gracetarians. Praise God, I'm a gracetarian. I don't want anything else. You can't get me to settle for my works. That's not God's best. Never has been. His best is Christ. Not your works, not my works. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the only one that was worthy. When we get to heaven, they're not going to say, worthy, behold, Steve's works. (laughs) They're going to say, worthy is the lamb, not worthy is your works. They won't say that. They'll rejoice over the work that God did in your life and your willingness to yield to him. But at the end of your life, when you stand before him, they're not going to say, worthy is the man. They're going to say, worthy is the lamb. Because our worthiness, our righteousness comes from Christ and Christ alone. Our peace is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. I rest assured in His presence with confidence that I'm a child because of Jesus. I can go to bed and sleep good at night. Like the prayer goes, if I die before I wake, I pray that your soul He'll take, not mine. I know where I'm going. I've already been received into Him while I live. So to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I have an eternity that I'm going to get to fellowship with the Father. That you're going to get to fellowship with the Father. That you're going to get to spend time of intimacy with your family at the feet of Jesus. That the loved ones that went before you are helping the one who went to prepare the way so that when you get there the way is prepared that's why when we're all handed crowns of glory in the book of revelation all the elders they take them off and they throw them at the feet of jesus why because everything that they did to achieve a crown in heaven was because of him you notice that the disciples didn't call jesus ring 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 hey jesus i heard you have an opening <laughs> No, each one of them was handpicked in their generation to learn of Jesus what the Father looked like. Each one of us were handpicked by Jesus in our generation to learn and to express to a fallen world what the Father looks like. We've been made partakers of His holiness. The scripture says the beauty of holiness. You can only be holy because God is holy. Be holy for I am holy. You can't be to obtain who He is. It's all about becoming. Once you became a child of God, now all of heaven is yours for the taking. What do you need? What do you want? Like the song... That Sarah has sung many times, everything is mine in you. It is. Even when my heart is breaking? Yeah. Especially because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Well, what if you feel lost? Well, he came to seek and save that which was lost too. Wow. <laughs> what if you have actually went astray? Well, he leaves the 99 and he searches till he finds. That means no matter how far you went astray from the flock, Jesus is looking and he's gonna find you. You can run, but you just can't hide. It's a horrible thing. You already made a covenant. <laughs> if you didn't want them, you shouldn't have made it. <laughs> Amen. John 8:12 says. But then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And if you think, Steve, I haven't really been following Jesus that closely, reexamine your life because you're sitting in service today. What does it mean to follow Jesus? When we read our Bibles, most people read their Bibles as if they're doing God a service by reading them. God knows His Word. We're not reading the Bible for Him. We're reading the Bible for us. Your covenant with God is not based upon your Bible reading. The rights that are exercised in the covenant is based upon your Bible reading. (laughs) And you need to know your covenant. But when you read the Bible, it's not so that you can somehow satisfy God like some weird twisted thing. No, no. His word has he left with the children of men. (laughs) It's our inheritance. It says in the scriptures, thy word have you exalted above your own name. The word of God above his own name. Why? Because they both go together. It's his word. <laughs> and if the words of the man's no good, then, then his name's no good. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. We have a covenant because the scripture says that God made an everlasting covenant with us. It lasts forever. It doesn't diminish with time. It doesn't diminish with your behavior. See, God wants to do a work in our lives that can only be done through grace and grace alone so that no man can boast before Him. Why do you think He calls the weak? Paul says, have you noticed, brothers, there's not many highly educated or uh, very wise people among you, rich rulers. He said there's not. For God uses the weak things of the world and the things that are not. To make void those that are, so that no flesh may boast before him. No flesh may boast before him. That means if you're working in the flesh and you're bringing it to God, like, look what I did, you're boasting. And God says, don't do that. But when you point to the source of the reason why you can boast, That's why Paul said, I won't boast in anything except the cross of Christ, because without him being crucified on my behalf, I would have no right to boast because I would be another sinner that was destined for hell without salvation. An enemy still in my mind because of wicked works. So anytime we boast, look at what God did. Now look at what I did. Because it says right here, the reason why the Spirit came upon Jesus as a son. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord." That he might be glorified. The whole reason why the Spirit of God came upon Jesus was to bring that anointing that opened prison doors, that could bring peace, salvation, instruction into righteousness, that we could become trees, trees of righteousness, which have been planted by the Lord. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 62, verse 1. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until the righteousness thereof goes forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burns. For Zion's sake, which is the prophetic picture of the church, He says, for Zion's sake, will I not hold my peace? And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof goes forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burns. A higher righteousness. John the Baptist said, there's one that comes after me that is preferred before me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to untie. He said, when he comes, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He was the one that made us righteous. The Lord said, I will not relent. I will not stop until righteousness goes forth as brightness. Till salvation as a lamp that burns and we are the light of the world that's still burning today, all these generations later. Nobody could put out that flame. They've tried (laughs) over and over and over again. You know what your life says to the people around you? Do you? It speaks to them every day. God is real. God is real. God is real. Because they might not believe God is real in their lives, but they can't deny Him in yours. It's the beauty of it. We have an unending life and an unending covenant that we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. That God has given us something through grace because of Jesus that allows us to know His ways, which in return actually brings us To know him. That's what the Apostle Paul said. In Philippians. He said everything that I had. I count as crap. As dung. He said I considered all of it. As dung. My own righteousness. As he's talking about. He said that I may win Christ. Being found in him. He said not having a righteousness. Of my own which is by the law. But that which is. Through faith in Christ. Our righteousness came through our faith in Christ. He chose us. He chose us. God actually chose you because he wanted you. He wanted you. He never needed to need man. (laughs) He needs us now. Absolutely. Because of the way that he's designed it. Only because he always wanted covenant and fellowship and he always wanted to do this earth together. Because man was never meant to be apart from the one that actually made him. He's the giver of all life. You know the scripture says that without Christ wasn't anything made that was made. But through him and to him, By Him all things exist. And God created us anew in Christ. Gave us a new name, a new identity. Killed that old man. And gave us our walking papers so we could go free. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just thank You. We give You praise, honor, and all the glory. We exalt you. Father, I do pray that you would just open our eyes to the reality of the love that you have for us. That that would never be a question on any of our minds, Father. That we would rest securely knowing our identity. That we were chosen. Our lives aren't accidents, Father. They're not just by chance. But every breath that ever came into the world was first given by you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you. And we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.